Hello and welcome to this podcast. I am Alex and you are listening to Physics with me. As the title suggests, this episode is based upon relativity and electrodynamics. What I'm going to do in this podcast is as you already know that I try to create a familiarity with the subject so that if you try to read it again in a book or take classes, university classes then you can get a sense of what the subject actually means and what it is going towards to so without any further ado let's get started so 400 years ago as we already know that uh, newton using galilean's idea of relativity created his whole theory of mechanics and uh, like he talked about frames and like what frames mean is if you are an observer then your point of view is a frame a frame of reference a reference with respect to you or if you can consider any other person who is in motion with respect to you then that is another frame of frame of reference so each person has their own frame of reference their own set of coordinates of which they themselves are the origin okay so if you consider it like this then after considering reference frame he went on to describing what inertial frames are which are frames in uniform motion or rest with respect to each other so if you say that there is one stationary frame or you consider one stationary frame then if any other frame is moving in a uniform velocity with respect to that frame then it n- that frame is inertial frame using this principle you can create millions of billions of inertial frames depending upon your problem which you are going to tackle newton's first law which states that a body at rest will remain at rest and a body in motion will continue in a motion in a uniform speed until or unless it is acted upon by an external force this is newton's first law and as we see newton has realized that if you have one inertial frame then you can construct other inertial frames using three steps three different steps for three different types of inertial frames the first steps was translation in which uh, he has to translate the origin of the inertial frame to any other point in space which means that the space is homogeneous according to newton's law so in newton's world space has homogeneity or translational symmetry if you rotate the reference frame in at some particular angle and then check the check if the frame is inertial which means there is no extra force which is experienced by the object in that reference frame then you can say that the space has isotropy or rotational symmetry and lastly boost which means if a frame is moving at a constant velocity with respect to the initial reference frame inertial reference frame 
initial inertial reference frame <sighs> so newton thought that these are the three different ways by which you can generate inertial reference frames his second law was force is proportional to acceleration or is equal to the change of momentum of the body so what you can say is if a body is in motion which is non uniform then you can s consider s small parts of its path in which it remains uniform and then show that the what sort of force can change its velocity to the velocity in its next instant which can explain the non uniformity of the motion of objects and lastly comes the third law of newton which is how action creates reaction instantaneously when you apply force on an object so ultimately these three laws somehow creates a whole world of classical uh, un universe which we live in i mean the world which we see is classical but it has some issues with it the first one is uh, a more general one in which if you consider an object in motion and you s you give it a uniform acceleration then somehow the object can accelerate to infinite speed which is quite absurd cuz constant force for an very long period of time which is going to generate infinite speed requires infinite amount of energy and this does not make sense as long as you can think about like what infinite speed will look like so cuz there is no celestial body which has speed more than what you can consider it to be like there are asteroids which have very large speeds but none can compare to the infiniteness of the velocity in newton's world so this is one of the problem the second problem is like after newton's time i mean 400 years later when maxwell combined electricity and magnetism to create his electromagnetic theory he somehow creates a speed limit which is the speed of light well it's not a limit initially what he thought is that his theory is predicting a constant speed which is not changing anywhere unless there is a medium in which the wave is traveling but the maximum speed in vacuum his electromagnetic waves can attain is speed of light which is 3 to 10 power meter per second which somehow helps him to combine optics to his electromagnetic theory but it also creates a problem and the problem is in newton's world there is no place for the constancy of the speed of light which means newton was never able to explain how light works plus you can say if a charge is in motion then it creates magnetic field but how can you explain magnetic field in newton's world so these type of problems were arising in newton's theory 
and somehow these are tackled by the special theory given by Einstein. To create his special theory of relativity, Einstein took this condition that speed has a limit and this limit is the speed of light which means none can some can be none of the object can move with a speed which is greater than the speed of light and everything else remains same which means in inertial frames all the laws of physics are same except this point in which this there is a limit in the speed so Newton's world is uh, has an upper limit to the speed and as you know that speed has two components space and time which means if you have to if you have to consider that the speed is constant and or there is an upper limit to the speed which means you not only have to vary space but also vary time with respect to that space such that the speed limit remains constant which means Einstein has to get rid of the idea of Newton's uh, absolute time which means in Einstein's view time is not absolute and it's not same for every object in the universe either in motion or at rest this causes him to create lots of initial ideas which are like time dilation of a moving object in which if an object is moving then time moves slowly for him or the second concept was length contraction in which if you are in, in an inertial frame observing an object in motion then the length of the object in the direction of the his motion contracts for your reference frame which means in an inertial frame you will see that the object will contract in in the same direction as in, as in the velocity to understand einstein's world of relativity consider that you have infinite number of clocks in your reference frame and you somehow synchronizes all of them now what you do is you a different space point say if you have a 2d world then in your 2d plane you put all the clocks at the same time in every point in space now consider an object in motion or a reference frame which is motion so with this point of view you can somehow can calculate how time and length can contract and dilate I mean dilate and contract respectively as per the motion of the reference frame which is constant obviously inertial reference frame along with the consideration that the light I mean your view as you are observing either in your inertial reference frame or your moving reference frame takes some amount of time
for the light to return to your eyes so that you can observe so the speed of light remains same c and the information will arrive to you i mean you can observe the time with that constraint this type of mentality can help you to solve lots of relativity problems and even understand what einstein was trying to tell you how space behave a better perspective or a mathematical construct of einstein's space and time relations were given by minkowski who was his former teacher what he created was called a space time diagram and he took three dimension of space and considered time as the another dimension and created a space time diagram of four dimensional manifold so which are like the best way to visualize relativistic effect and as i have already mentioned that einstein's theory of relativity abhors the idea of the absolute relation between events which is simultaneity as to be not true as we already know that simultaneity is the relation between two events who are assumed to be happening at the same time in a given reference frame so what einstein said is if you change the reference frame the two events may not be simultaneous or be occurring at the same space or same time so there are like if there are two events then three types of uh, categories you can put these two events in so say the events are like bursting of crackers at different space and time so if those two events occur at same place but at different times then it is called a space like event or a space like separation similarly a time like separation or time like events means that there exists a reference frame in which two events occur at the same place but at different times and lastly light like separation means that light could travel between those two points thus simultaneity is just a perspective in uh, minkowski space as i have already said that space time diagram is created which means space is considered to be in one of the axes or any three of the axes and the fourth axis is the time so to have the same dimensions what minkowski does is like he put speed of light multiplied with time as the fourth coordinate or the fourth axis of time which is like ct so if you try to simplify it then you can see it as a two dimensional diagram where x x axis means space and y axis means time and he created a light cone and the slope of this cone is where the speed of light the velocity of the object is equal to the speed of light and inside this cone the region lies so if you consider that the observer is at the origin then the cone represent his 
his time and space which is available to him which means he cannot go outside his cone or he cannot attain a speed which is greater than the speed of light so he can he is constrained to move inside the cone or all the events or space time points inside that cone is available to him for his motion and uh, one can also say see it as the upper side of cone is actually the observer's future whereas the lower side of cone is observer's past so past events are all the events which were plausible to him but there is a specific series of events which he has maintained and come to his observing point which is the origin of the space time and the future cone represents all the availability of space points space time points to him a similar concept to simultaneity is causality in which cause and effect are two events considered and how these events can be thought of like space like time like and light like can represent how space how cause and effect of which means action and reaction of some event to pull off in different perspective you can somehow get a reference frame which because in which cause is after the effect which is absurd right so you can think about it more and just try to find questions which you can solve over it so that you can understand what causality and relativity means this is a homework for you guys <laughs> and lastly the most important concept which is left is the velocity addition part which we know that in newton's world if two objects are in motion and those motion are inertial then one can say that the relative velocity calculated by either either of the reference frame is actually the addition or subtraction depending upon the direction of motion of the other reference frame but this does not work in einstein's world and uh, what einstein uses is his special formula for velocity addition i'm not going to talk about the formula it's a pure mathematical construct but what it does say is speed of light has limit and it cannot be broken so now let's go to the electrodynamics reel so we will start with electrostatics and in electrostatics the first and foremost part is first and foremost formula is gauss law coulomb's law sorry so coulomb's law is uh, force between two charges proportional to the product of the magnitude of those two charges divided by the distance between those those two charges squared is actually showing how those two charges will behave when they are stationary but electrostatics as the name suggests is about sta static charges 
not the moving charges but now if you add relativity to this electrostatic then what will happen so in coulomb's law or coulomb's formula there is distance between those two charges so now if say one of the charges is in a rel relativistic motion which means moving with a speed which is approximately equal to the speed of light then i mean not equal to the speed of light but almost attaining to the speed of light is if one of the charges is moving in that sort of motion that sort of relativistic motion then how the coulomb's law will change so as you can see the length will contract right so you all you have to do is just put the einstein's formula directly into the equation i mean all you have to do is just change the distance squared which is in a denominator by putting that gamma if you're going to study in mathematical form gamma is like a factor which is actually increasing time or decreasing distance which means time dilation and length contraction so as soon as you put this relativistic idea into coulomb's law what you will end up with is a complete formula which is lorentz formula which has both electric part and the magnetic field part thus you can simply show that simple electrostatic coulomb's law can be in relativistic realm show magnetic forces so if a charge in motion if a charge is in motion then how it gets affected because of its motion which is shown by the magnetic field can be easily constructed using some mathematical jargon in a more clear manner if you consider a conductor and a charge which is say at a finite distance from the conductor is in motion in a uniform motion then that conductor which has immobile ions positive ions and if say the charge is negative which is in motion then at different instant of space and time it's gonna acquire or it will have an effect of coulomb's force but that coulomb's force is arise due to the length contraction can be shown as the magnetic force which is which will act on the charge or by the charge similarly if you take a parallel plate capacitor and uh, in parallel plate capacitor as you know that there is a uniform electric field then if you take two reference frames which are in motion and you try to observe from those two reference frame how electric field is to be measured then you can see that in one of the reference frame you you're going to observe magnetic field and in another reference frame you're going to observe both electric and magnetic field
and both of them are Lorentz invariant and you can construct a electromagnetic field tensor which is a anti-symmetric matrix which is a 4 into 4 matrix and it has electric and magnetic field and you can further simplify the 4 Maxwell's equation using this electromagnetic field tensor which is a purely mathematical construct you can try to figure out lots of various lots of other ideas uh, in which say if you have two wires at a particular distance from each other and both have current so you can create different cases like parallel currents anti-parallel currents and then you can use coulomb's law simply and apply the relativistic formula to those coulomb's law and then you can show how magnetic field or magnetic force is acted by one current carrying conductor to the another current carrying conductor by simply using relativity and nothing else you don't have to use Biot-Sivert law and uh, well it's like say if you have a wire a conductor it has immobile positive ions and a sea of negative charges both of the wires then even if one of the wire has current then current means the along the direction of current the electric fields are electric charges are in opposite direction towards the uh, opposite to the direction of current so all the charges which are in motion negative charges will see the positive ions to be mo moving in opposite direction and they will be observing electrostatic forces but interchangeably with distance so length will contract in the second conductor where all the immobile ions are I mean all the Im immobile stationary ions are and the, these electrons will see that due to those length contraction the charge density in the second conductor increases positive charge density and these electric uh, negative el electrons will have some sort of more positive charge forces this goes vice versa so if the first conductor is does not have any current and the second conductor has current then the elect negative electric charge negative charges in that wire which has current will see that the another wire which has no current has somehow increase of positive charge density which causes more force to act upon this, these electrons in the conductor which has current flowing in it. Try to visualize it more and you will end up with a relatively good idea in what electrodynamics means or in how relativity can be used in electrodynamics. With this I will say I will end up end my discussion here and 
everything else is just homework try to read more electrodynamics book in which relativity is used well try to find out those books in which relativity comes just after electrostatics so that or relativity is the first chapter and after electrostatics they start using relativity because those type of books are really important to understand how simple coulomb's law can be used to generate magnetic field not all the books has these but if you can find them then that's really well and good i know one book and then i've been reading this book for a while this is by john b cogut special relativity electrodynamics and general relativity so this book is really good at the elementary level or any other general relativity book which has electrodynamics will help you to understand electrodynamics more easily with this i will take my leave thank you